0: Thank you for listening to Life Church Lithia. At Life Church you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message. How's everyone's fast going? <laughs> yeah, is it going well? Are you hungry yet? Okay. I was I made a Facebook video and it's really funny because I was like, I know, I'm not supposed to say this. I know the scripture, guys. Like cause people were sending me the scripture, like not to boast about fasting or tell everyone you're fasting but I was like listen we're doing it as a community so I feel like if we're doing it as a community I think my community knows that I'm fasting so I think I can tell my community that I'm struggling and I'm hungry and you guys aren't going to judge me right so I just love that I hope your fast is going well and I hope that you choose to fast Something I know there's sometimes that food is a hard one for people, but you can fast social media, you can fast uh like listening to music. You can Martha fasted reading books. She puts like five books away a week. Like she can read books like crazy. And she felt like the Lord told her to fast that at one point. One of the hardest fasts my husband and I ever did, it was when we were in Africa they caught us to a fast and I thought, Lord, I've been eating rice and beans for six weeks straight. How much more fasting can I do? I was on the beans and rice and Jesus Christ diet and I was like, how much more fasting can I do? And they, Mama Heidi came up and she was like, I want you guys to fast negativity. And I was like, oh yeah, I got this except for we hadn't showered at that point in like a good month, and we didn't have any running water, and there was no power, and I thought, okay, this might be harder than I thought. My one-year-old was having all kinds of sickness happening, and I learned that uh, fasting negativity is a real challenge. So if you wanna try to, if you really, really wanna grow yourself in the Lord, go ahead and try that. Um, So this morning, I'm really excited to talk to you all I really feel in my spirit that there's like a really uh, heavy not heavy weightiness but I feel a heavy presence of the prophetic like it, I, I I just feel it's almost overwhelming and um I normally am not the most prophetic person I am when it comes to worship but as for giving words that's not my thing um but I really feel like I'm supposed to give a word to someone right now and um I just want to stress I would never do this ever. Uh, Leah, I have a word for you and your husband. And I would never do this to a first-time guest. I swear, I never do this. (laughs) But I really felt like um, while we were worshiping, I just saw identity on both of you and sonship. And I felt like the Lord said he was going to restore identity through you guys to the people that you're going to be ministering to and that they would walk in sonship Yeah, you guys just turn turn and lay hands on them. Um, Holly, if you would, if you'll turn and just lay, they're right behind you. Just lay hands on them. Right, no, no, behind you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) If you guys would just uh, reach uh, towards them and just let's pray. Father, we just speak freedom, that they would be freedom carriers right now, God, and that they would walk in sonship. Father, as they're ministering to people, And they're restoring foundations, God, that they would know sonship. They would know true sonship. Father, that those who come in contact with them would be completely restored. Yeah, right now I just see, this is weird. I'm sorry, guys. This is really weird. I just see as if people are zombies and you guys have this cure in your hand and you're injecting them and they're coming back to life. I see as they're coming back to life and something's changing in them and you're restoring them. You're restoring the purity in people to where they were originally supposed to be found. So, Father, we just we speak that right now as the word goes forth. Kava, I have a word for you. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna speak. I swear it. <laughs> Kelly, we pray for Missy that you would be obedient to what the Lord is telling you. That you would be obedient and that this season that you're stepping into, that he's not only restoring you as a son, but as a father and as a husband. And I just see that every place that you step that the Lord is giving to you, he's giving you the land that you're walking on and I feel like he's expanding your territory. He's expanding what you've been doing. And he, he told me to tell you that you're not called to the, the rafters for the shadows, but you're called to the front and not just for singing. I feel like the Lord is saying, come out of hiding. This is your, your coming out party. And so he's calling you out to the center and that this stage of life is going to be a, a lot more fun than you were anticipating. Yeah, Jesus, we just we just thank you for what you're doing. Um, I, I, I just really felt it in worship. I, I really feel this heaviness um, for prophecy. So I'm sorry if I keep interrupting or stopping. I just feel it's really strong. Um, so today, like normally I'm like loud and I'm crazy and I'm running all around and I'm attempting to speak Spanish and I do a really bad job at it. But like that's normally my personality. And for me, I almost like to treat you guys like it's stand up, like stand up comedy like the more you laugh at me the more I feel better inside I'm like yes they think I'm funny and that's it like Lacey if you don't know her she'll laugh at any joke so if I'm feeling really insecure today I'm just gonna look at Lacey and wait for like a big laughter to come out but this morning I wanted to talk to you guys about love and obedience and um I really, really felt like the Lord wanted me to talk to you about this. And I have only one point. And my one point is that we want to be pleasing to Jesus. We want to be pleasing to Jesus. People who don't just incorporate Jesus, but Jesus, we're, we're just all about him. That we're not half in and half out. It's If you're living a half-in life and a half-foot out, you're going to be miserable because you were not called to live half-in and half-out. You were called to be all-in. My husband said, but we put, we put our, t- our chips in the table and we say, God, we're all-in with you. And I really feel that, that if you're living half-in half-out, you're just going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. And there's nothing anyone can do. She's fine, Jenny. She's fine. She's just fine. We love babies at this church. So we want to be pleasing, and um, when I said obedience, I could see, like, some of your faces changing, and you were like, ooh, obedience? Listen, I know that obedience and submission in the church have been greatly abused, but I feel like the Lord is trying to restore that. He's restoring it today, so please just listen to my heart before you just, um, just please listen to my heart and listen to the picture that I I, want to paint for you guys. So in 2011, I got married to my best friend in the front row. And, um, you know, with weddings, you go wedding dress shopping, right? Yes, hopefully you do. <laughs> so I did. And um, my sister was with me. And I we, I went with a big group of girls. And it just became chaotic because I got way too many opinions. And they were like, that looks good. That looks awful. And it was one of them. I walked out and I was like, this is my dress. And they were like, ew. So I was like, Okay. I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) So I changed it, and I went with just my sister and my mom. And um, I I walked out in different dresses, and then finally I found the dress. I was like, oh, man, this is the dress that I'm going to marry my husband in. And all of a sudden, my sister, who is my maid of honor, she walks out, and she looks gorgeous. And she's in a dress, and I thought, how can I compete with that? And I was standing there in my wedding dress and I was like, oh, I, I feel pretty, but how do I compete with that? So then I started looking and I, I had the consultant. I was like, bring me your sexiest dresses. Bring me your, I wanna, I wanna be sexier and I wanna be, I wanna like, I wanna make everyone just be so attracted to me. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment and he said, Who are you trying to attract? Are you trying to attract him? Or are you trying to attract them? And I was like, Oh, I, I'm only doing this for him. And I think that's what the world sees when he sees the bride of Christ. He sees us and we say, man, I really just want to be attractive. I want to attract them. I want to attract them. And so we're like, if we, we water it down a little bit, if we get a little bit more risque, we're going to attract the world. And the Lord's just standing there saying, I'm waiting. Are you doing it for the audience of one? And I feel like, I feel like he wants to redeem us in that. And as I was standing there in my wedding dress, I said, I wanna be presented before my husband is pure and I wanna be holy. And whatever I'm committing to him under this dress, I'm committing it to him forever and I want it to be for his attention alone. Like, you know, we don't get dressed up at our weddings for everyone else. Like, yeah, it's nice when people say you look pretty, but it's for the person who's standing at the altar waiting. It's for when the door is open and you see the one. And I feel like the Lord is trying to redeem the bride as we go out and we're trying so hard to be people pleasing. And I'm just, I'm just going to be real with you guys. I'm sick of trying to be cool. Like I'm really over being cool in the, the cool church. And you have to do this if you want people and you have to do that. We, we've heard it all. And we've heard every sermon. And my husband and I, I just have to tell you, this is the place where that comes to die. This is the place where self-promotion comes to die, and this is the place that will remain nameless and faceless, and it will be about Jesus. If you come here and you're looking for a position, you won't find one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're not going to find a position here. That doesn't mean we don't have pastors and we don't honor each other, but that is not what it is about. It is about Jesus it's about his bride and so i was thinking that i was like oh i'm so in love with my husband and this is gonna be great and then do you guys remember megan and harry when they got married megan and prince harry sorry prince harry (laughs) should use his formal name prince harry (laughs) when they got married everyone in the world was watching and we're waiting and we're watching and we're waiting and we're looking at the tv and we're waiting for her to look at him and we say is it real And then she looks at him and we said, wow, she's really in love. And I feel like when the bride looks at the bridegroom and we're really in love, the world will be captivated. The world's going to, it's going to draw the attention of the world. Yeah. So obedience, (laughs) like what does that have to do with obedience? Because when we walk in obedience the world will look and see how beautiful we are. John 15 says this, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no other than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, so do whatever I command you. We want to be pleasing to Jesus, and we do that by obeying. And when we obey, we find rest. Hebrews 3 and 4 talks about that. There is rest that you enter into with God. And so I encourage you to read that. But I believe when we are obedient, oppression begins to die. Anxiety begins to die. And insecurity begins to die because we're obedient to the one's voice. If you guys will open up your Bibles. I'm going to go ahead and have you turn to 1 Samuel. Listen, I believe in bringing your Bible to church. Even if it's on your phone, that's okay. But I always say this for me. You don't go to your car without your keys. You don't go to the store without your wallet. You don't come to church without your Bible. Bring your Bibles. And I'm okay if it's on your phone. Bring your Bible because the Lord wants to speak to you through your Bible. If you'll go to 1 Samuel 8, 22. Now I'm gonna explain to you guys real quickly and I I just really felt like the Lord wanted me to do things differently. Because I know if you've never heard me speak before, I tend to be like really loud and crazy, but I felt the Lord said that is not the season for today. And so I'm just going to give you a little bit of the story of uh, Saul and Samuel. And in this time, the people of Israel were demanding a king. They were demanding a king and there were a series of judges And Samuel was one of the judges. And at this point, his sons were not following his footsteps. So his sons could not step up to the plate. So they're looking for a king and they're saying, we want a king. And God said, I want to be your king. But the people persisted. And Samuel kept bringing the requests to the Lord. And the Lord gave in. Now that's a mystery to me in itself. But the Lord gave in. And so 1 Samuel 8, this is where we're picking up. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. And that grieves my spirit. Now Samuel called the people together, Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all the calamities and your distress. And you have said to him, set a king over us. Now four, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near and the tribe of Benjamin was taken out. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans and the clan of the Matrites was taken by lot and Saul, the son of Kish was taken by lot. And when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. And they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than them from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him who the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, long, long live the king so here Samuel is and it's like you're like this is like your day that you're waiting for and he's like over in the corner crouching down hiding and you know he's hiding because he's like monstrous tall right like he's super tall so he's like having to hide behind stuff and you'd think he'd be excited but he's not in chapter 15 here's what happens Saul gets anointed as king and Samuel gives him instructions you're gonna go to Gilgal And you're going to wait for seven days. Wait for me for seven days. But seven days goes by and Samuel doesn't come and Saul takes things into his own hands. Pick up in um, verse 17. Y'all just stay with me because I'm painting the picture. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you to be king over Israel. The Lord sent you on a mission. Go, devote, to destruct the sinners that malachites and fights against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Then Samuel says this, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of divination, and presumption is iniquity, and, idol- and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared and I obeyed the voice of the people. So God rejects him and decides he's going to anoint a king for himself. Read that again. Because I feared and I obeyed the voice of the people. Man, I've been there. Like when, when people are telling you what to do and you're like, I think this is a good idea. And like the Lord's like, no, it's not. And you're like, but that's what so-and-so said I should do. I mean, let's be real, have we not? Have we not all done that? We're like, oh, I should go left. And the Lord's like, right. And you're like, Lord, give me a sign. And there's thousands of signs. And you're like, left it is. I'm like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be over here. But we serve a good enough God that he can redirect our path. But It's just so funny to me because I mean, I'm like, I feel bad for Saul. Like, even though Saul's a little crazy, like he's a little crazy, I still feel bad for him in this moment because he was, he was, he didn't want to be king. He was hiding. He gets chosen as king because the people demanded it and then he couldn't listen to the voice of God. But chapter 16 is good. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him being king over Israel, fill your horn with oil, go I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided myself a king among the sons so Samuel goes to Jesse's and he's looking and he's looking at all the brothers and he's like hey you oh okay the Lord said no he's like but it's this one and the Lord says no and he's like it's this one no he's like well Lord who is it it's the guy that no one's thinking it's the guy off in the field it's the guy who's spending time with the Lord. And he says to Samuel, he said, I look at the heart. I look at the heart. Now I love when worship is crowd and le- uh, crowd. <laughs> when it's loud and crazy, it's one of the most exciting things, but I'm a lot more passionate at walking with people who walk with the Lord when no one's looking. When no one's looking in your conversations, when no one's looking in your cars when no one's looking at your jobs when no one's looking when you're parenting your kids that's what excites me that's what i have passion about what happened in the middle of nowhere god was in what happened when no one was watching god was in let's read seventeen thirty-seven. and david said lord oh sorry let me just talk about this for a moment David goes and he fights Goliath. You guys know that, right? David and Goliath. Okay. So he goes and he fights Goliath. And I think it's so funny because the Lord prepared him when no one was watching. The Lord prepared him in the, in the quiet, in the secret place. And he's there. And it, it's funny because what the Lord did when no one was watching, he did when everyone was watching. So many times we want, we want public victories, And that's not where it happens. Most of the time, it comes in private time. And then God puts you on display. That's when God puts you on display after you've sought him in the quiet place. 17.37 says this, And the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the bear will be able to deliver me from the Philistine. Go, the Lord be with you. I love that. Because he's saying, I know this God. I know this God because when I was by myself and I was playing my harp, all of a sudden this bear came up and this God, he saved me. That's when you really get to know God. That's when you really get to know God. When my husband and I, I'll tell you, when I got to know him, when no one was watching, when I got diagnosed as being bipolar and manic depressive and I was told I'm gonna have to be on medication my entire life. No one was watching as I sat and, I, and I, I put stuff on and I was anointing myself and I declared healing. No one saw that, but I learned that my father was a healer. Or when we emptied our bank account to go to Africa and no one knew. And we talk about it now, but then no one knew. No one knew that we gave all our money away. And the Lord said, Go, I'll send you. And I said, God, how? He said, I am your provider. I learned about him being my provider in that moment. And then when he asked us to do it again in Mexico, I said, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll give all my money away. And then I told the Lord in Africa, I said, God, I'll serve anywhere. Put me anywhere. I'll serve you. And then he called us to Lithia. It's not funny. It's not funny. Because I'll tell you, when we were driving here, I questioned the Lord. I said, Lord, did we miss it? Because you guys see the fruit of it now, but I'll tell you, when there was 10 people and we were living in the building, there was, I could not see it. I could not see it, and I, he would ask, and he said, but did the Lord not say? And I said, I don't know if he said. I learned a lot about myself, and I learned about a lot about the Lord being the provider. But I learned the most about the Father. On January 10th, 2016, at 6.21 p.m., as we were declaring for healing over my uncle who had stage four cancer. And we drove four hours to Lake City and we get to Lake City and I walk into a hospice room and all you can see is death. And I declared and I declared and I declared. And I said, Lord, you can do it. You've done it before. And I was declaring, I said, God, get your glory. Get your glory, raise him up. And I watched as my uncle took his last breath and stepped into eternity. And then for, for almost an hour, hospice let us sit there and we, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we tried to bring him back. And I ran out of the room and I fell into my dad's arms and I said, dad, we failed. We failed because we couldn't do it. And he said, we didn't fail. And I remember I was driving with my husband And this is when Good, Good Father came out. And Good, Good Father was playing, and I said, God, you're not good. Because if you were good, you would have brought him back. If you were good, you would have healed him. I was just being real, and I was really, really angry. I said, God, why couldn't you do it? Why couldn't you do it? We all wanted it. He loved you. He was a worship leader. I don't understand. And the Lord said, Am I still not good? And that was the moment I realized He's so good. He's so good. Even when we don't feel like it, He's so, so good. He's so good. If you're looking to be obedient, listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. If you have to, if that's all you have to do, don't make it complicated. Shut the world out and just listen to him. That's all you have to do. It's not legalism, it's love. Fall in love. I heard the Lord say this weeks ago, return to your first love. When you would just spend all night with me and you would read your word and you believed everything that I said, and it didn't become just rhetoric that you would repeat when someone comes to you, oh yes, I'm blessed and highly favored, even though I just yelled at my wife. Oh yes, I'm blessed and highly favored, even though I just flicked someone off. Yes, I'm blessed and highly favored, even though I had one too many drinks. It's not that. It's not you just quoting random scriptures. It's knowing him and knowing his heart. You can't know his heart if you're not close. I love that John said, they call him John the beloved. No, they don't call him that. John called himself that. Like it was not, that's not the thing. But John loved Jesus so much that he was like, I, I'm his beloved it's like, that's cute, John. (laughs) You made that up for yourself. But that's how we should be. We should be like, I am destiny, his beloved. I'm his beloved, and he is mine. I'm going to have my husband come now.
1: What the heck am I supposed to say after that? I'm not going to preach a sermon, don't worry. But I, I, do want to, uh, I do want to say on this, one of the cornerstones of this church since we started is we believe God is good no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, <laughs> no matter what we feel. Like no matter what is going on, no matter what people say, he's good. And I could declare that in the middle of, if, if I can't declare it in the valley, I will never make it to the mountain. Ever. If I can't declare it, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I know His goodness and mercy they follow me. All, not some. Not some, all the days of my life. I was there when my wife came out of the room. I was in a hallway because I didn't know what to do. You know when your wife's like, you know when your wife is in the situation you can't do nothing. You feel so helpless. You're like, oh my gosh. I can do nothing to fix this. This sucks. Because I'm a fixer, right? And when she comes out of the room and she collapsed on the floor saying, Dad, we, I failed. You don't know what to. I was in the car when Good Good Father came on and I'm like, dang it, Z88.3. <laughs> what the heck? I was there. And what I feel the Lord wants, wants to do is, is there's this thing I kept hearing over and over is it's, it's, it's time to level up. Like some of you have been living in the same season, in the same place, with the same faith. And the truth is, according to the Bible, we are called to live from glory to glory. So it should not be to us when somebody stops the service and says, hey, I have a word for you. Because his promises for you are yes and amen. And in this book, there's 1,200 of them. So I have lots and lots of promises to live out. But here's the truth. There are realms of blessing and favor and outpouring that are only accessed through submission and obedience. It's only access. It's not legalism. It's like the Lord is so patient and loving. He's like, I will wait. I will wait till you lay that down. I will wait till you let go. It's why in the garden he planted two trees. Because love cannot be love if there is not choice. So what do we hear the Lord saying today? Obey me. But, but it's, not this, it's not this legalistic. It's like, will you fall in love to the point where obedience will just come? Obeying is easy when you have died to self. How do I know if I've died to self? When you stop being selfish. Selfishness is rooted in self. So when I stop making it all about me, and I make it about him, then he gives me everything I ever wanted. It's this crazy exchange. Like we kick and we cry, I don't want to give it away. And then as, as we give it away, we're like, that was a bunch of crap compared to what I have. So I want to invite you today. To come on. You want to see? Come on I was the shortest I've ever preached. Yeah. Here's what I feel I want us to do. I want us to, how many of you know, physical acts of obedience bring about spiritual release meaning when when a word happens I have to respond in some way to that word I can't just wow the word write it down and clap about it there has to be a response that says I am coming into alignment with that word and so what I want to do today as a church body as a corporate body is I want us to stand up to our feet our eyes for a moment.